Our first reading is from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. Now, normally we'd be asking you to look at the pages in church or the numbers, but if you've got a Bible at home, I hope you'll be able to find what we're reading, and I'm sure it's coming up on the screen. Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will rever you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud so the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shrouds that enfolds all peoples, the sheets that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Our second reading is from the New Testament, from the book of Luke, chapter 5 verses 27 to 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why don't we take a moment of prayer and just uh, still our hearts. Heavenly Father, we pray as we meet in this very different way, you would unite us together as we look at the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, this is uh, all very new for us. Um, I hope it's uh, uh, working and that you're able to uh, uh, watch and connect. 
Uh, somebody pointed out to me uh, just a couple of days ago that I have been in the job uh, a month and I have shut the church. So I am doing pretty well as far as I can see. Uh, but we are gathering in this different way. This is our first proper go at a, a live stream service. And we are practicing social distancing. We are learning all these words, aren't we? Uh, social distancing, we are, we're figuring out what that means, what that looks like. We're getting used to these new phrases. And I suspect at the moment, many of us are aware of the distance that we have with uh, us and others, and perhaps even feeling that we're uh, perhaps judged for what we're doing at the moment, or perhaps we're judging others uh, for what we're doing. And it gets at the heart of the Bible reading that we're going to look at in just a moment. I'm very aware of it um, in these past uh, few days. A couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a bus on the Curry Mile, and I was just very conscious of how much of a gap were people leaving between me and them? How much distance did they want between uh, us? Uh, I was in a supermarket um, just a couple of days ago. You might have had this um, experience where you're, you're pushing your trolley around and you're kind of thinking, well, uh, am, I, am I too close to that person? Do I need to steer away a little from, uh, uh, from where they are? Do I go down that aisle or do oh, there's too many people there already, so maybe I shouldn't? Those kind of things. Or maybe, as well, feeling judged uh, for what you're doing. If you've had the experience of, of being out, and perhaps you're with one of your children, if you have children, and if there is the remotest hint that a cough might be coming, you have that feeling of uh, everyone suddenly looking at you, and you're thinking, would I be welcome here or not? Which, generally speaking, the answer is no, <laughs> as you know. Or perhaps you find yourself judging others, maybe in your office, uh, if somebody coughs there and you find yourself thinking, is it new? Is it persistent? What should they be doing? Uh, or in the park, we look out over the park and I found myself thinking, are you too close there? Are there too many people in the park at the moment? Is this right or not? Perhaps you've been feeling that way. And there'll be lots of us who perhaps have felt uh, judged in what we're doing at the moment. Pregnant mums, maybe, uh, uh, feeling judged for what they do or don't do. The elderly, uh, feeling judged for what they do or they don't do. And I imagine that lots of us have had those feelings before. They're very heightened at the moment, but we've had them before in other contexts. Maybe there are times where you visited somewhere, or a different workplace, uh, a different environment, and you thought, am I welcome here? Am I being judged for who I am? Do I fit in or not? Are people wanting to keep their distance from me or not? And there is a deeper question to that too. There is a spiritual question that some of us, I suspect, wrestle with too, if we were able to um, uh, voice it. Some may feel at times, I don't know if a church community would welcome me. I don't know perhaps whether... I would feel judged by Christians. I wouldn't be able to go there because Christians would judge me, I'm sure. Or perhaps even a question about God himself. Would God keep his social distance from me? Would God want to know me? So a really good question to ask this morning, and we're going to look at from this story about Levi, is this. Does Jesus keep his distance? 
And does Jesus judge us? Does Jesus keep his distance and does Jesus judge us? If I can read the opening of that uh, uh, passage that we heard a little while ago, uh, we're told the story. Jesus has been um, around healing a number of people. Uh, We saw him heal a paralyzed man last week. He's been doing remarkable things. And we're told after this he went out and he saw a tax collector uh, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So you imagine Jesus has come out, uh, and he's uh, on his way, and he sees this chap who's a tax collector at what I, I guess we might think of as a little outdoor office. We're coming into the spring, the weather is starting to improve, so we can imagine he's, a, he's got his own little tax booth, uh, a little outdoor office. Now, tax collectors were not liked. They were really despised people. Um, they were working uh, with the Romans, taking money from people, um, and so people didn't like them. Uh, if you're colluding with the Romans, that's not good. Uh, But then the Romans didn't much like them either. So they're kind of in the middle, uh, and they're stuck uh, there. Um, So so Levi would be a man on the outside, not often welcome. Uh, And there he is at his tax booth, and uh, and Jesus says to him, follow me. You might remember uh, another famous tax collector in the Bible is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus uh, was a, what was called a chief tax collector. He was a really important tax collector. So, you know, you can imagine uh, um, what they thought of him. Levi isn't quite like that. He's a, a sort of lower level one. So you've got to build up a picture of Levi. Um, he's not even a sort of high class villain. Uh, he's really just a middle class villain. And they're the worst. So, you know, Levi's in this predicament. And along comes Jesus and says, follow me. And at that point, Levi might well have wondered or thought, well, am I really welcome? Does Jesus really want me here? A number of years ago, um, I was, uh, as a student, um, I was uh, working with a, a part, as part of a student newspaper, and we were putting together a, a sort of restaurant review um, section, a set of restaurant reviews, which was largely an excuse for us to go and all go out and enjoy a nice meal and then write a review of it. And because I was organizing it, I got to pick the nicest restaurant in town um, and said, oh, well, look, I'll go there. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make that sacrifice. Um, I'll go there. And I took a friend with me uh, and we went along and it was a lovely restaurant. Now, you have to imagine it's kind of early evening because they weren't going to take up a table later on. Uh, we go, um, and we're there, and I sort of bring along my student newspaper as proof that we're, we're meant to be there. Um, we look down the menu. I order the, the most sort of expensive-looking thing I could find, which was partridge. Now, if you've ever had partridge before, I don't think I've ever had it since, uh, the bill at the end came to £60 pounds for, for two of us. Now, for uh, for two students 25 years ago, that was a ton of money, and we were sort of thinking, and I spent the whole time that we were in the restaurant thinking, am I really welcome? Uh, should I be here? Are they going to come over and say, you really shouldn't be here, you need to leave? Or probably thinking, they were, they were going to come over at the end and say, well, actually, it turns out you're wrong, and you need to pay. That was my great worry as we went through the whole meal. But at the end, they just thanked me for coming, They said, that's really lovely to have you. 
and we left having enjoyed a free meal. It was marvelous. And Levi might have been wondering, am I really welcome? And Jesus really means it here. He really welcomes Levi. And how do we know that? Well, it's partly because what happens. Jesus says to him, follow me, and Levi does. And then when Levi holds a great banquet, he says, do you want to come over for food at my house? And Jesus says, yes. So you imagine this feast that Levi puts on. Uh, There are people reclining. There's food. There's good wine. There's... um, how do we put it, dodgy company uh, of Levi and his mates. And Jesus says, yes, I'd love to come. You see, it's one thing for Jesus to call Levi and say, you come over here to me. But it's another thing for Jesus to say, you know, I'm willing to come to you and to meet with you and to eat with you and people like you. Jesus really means it. So Jesus doesn't keep us at a distance. He really welcomes everyone. That um, lovely reading from Isaiah that Deborah read just a moment ago pictures God preparing a feast uh, on a a mountaintop for for all peoples from wherever you are and and whatever your your nation and uh, background, preparing a feast, the best food, the best wine, and welcoming people in. And Jesus, you know, you may know in in the New Testament, he welcomes in all sorts of people who wouldn't normally have been. So he welcomes uh, the sick and the lame. Uh, He welcomes women in a culture where that wasn't uh, often happening. He welcomes children where they were thought uh, to be lower than anyone else. He welcomes those who are despised and poor and outcast, and he welcomes them in. He really does. So if you're somebody who's thinking, I don't know if I could ever be welcomed in a church. I think I perhaps I, I, I just should stay away. I, I think God would want to keep his distance from me. Can you see, would Jesus welcome you? Yes, with open arms. He takes you in. He's so pleased to go to Levi's house, to enjoy this banquet, to sit with them and to eat with them and enjoy the food uh, and, the, and the feasting together. So Jesus doesn't keep his distance. But it's not all feel-good for Levi. And there is something that happens in the story, which uh, let me read from verse 30. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, it's not not all great for Levi because Jesus doesn't keep his distance, but Jesus does judge. So the shock of this is what comes in Jesus' reply. When they say to him, you know, why are you eating with them? He suddenly introduces a new image, and it's a medical image. He says, I came not for the healthy, but for the sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And here, if you can uh, think with me for a moment, here is the shock and the the kind of controversy. We've been saying Jesus' words are very controversial. Jesus doesn't keep his distance, but he does come to judge. He calls himself a doctor. Let's see if we can make sense of this. He calls himself a doctor. Um, Now, doctors and nurses, who are really on our minds at the moment, aren't they, and the work they are doing, 
they have to judge us, don't they? It's really important that they do. And I imagine doctors and nurses and medical healthcare professionals are doing that lots at the moment, having to make judgments. And doctors and nurses do that, and we might not like it. We may not love the idea that they, uh, they give a judgment on how we are, but they're doing it for our good. And they're doing it because they want us to be made well, to be better. And Jesus says he is a doctor who has come. And he says he has come for, not for those who are, who are healthy or think they're healthy, but those who are ill, those who are sick. Now, what does he mean by uh, sick? He says he's talking about us as sinful, as sinners. So he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So the, the ill, the sick are sinners. Now, what does that mean? He's talking about those who know they have fallen short of God's standards. Those who have brought dishonor to God and a sense of shame on themselves. It's the opposite of those uh, who are righteous or right living. Now, in the times that we're living at the moment, um, talking about sin as sickness is, in some ways, it's quite helpful. Think about it for a moment. Uh, it's, uh, it's invisible. You can't see it. Uh, you're aware of it, but you can't see it. Uh, but some are very, very aware, sort of super aware of that sense of this invisible sickness, sin in their lives. Some are very aware of it, uh, but others, um, they may have it, but they may not show any symptoms. So to look at them, they may seem to be there fine, but they may have it. And we're very aware, aren't we, at the moment of this sense of a sickness that is out there that we can't see, that we are aware of in some, but not in others, but they may have it. And in that sense, it's quite a helpful little analogy that sin itself is a bit like that. So we might see people who look like they're upright and righteous, but actually Jesus is saying we all have this condition. We all have this sickness. So he is the doctor, and he defines this sickness, and he diagnoses it, and then he gives a course of action. So he says, I've come to call uh, uh, these people to repentance, Now, repentance means uh, to change. It means to change direction. So I might be facing this way, um, and then I I turn around, and I face uh, the other way. And he's saying the the course of action is to hear his call to repent, to turn, and to change. So Jesus is saying, if you like, come as you are to me, the doctor, but I don't want you to stay as you are. I've come for sinners, to call them to repentance. I wonder if perhaps, uh, again, just in the the climate that we have at the moment, we are starting to realize that we're not invincible physically, are we? As we look around, as we read the news. I wonder if we're also starting to realize that we're not invincible spiritually either. And that spiritually... We're sick too, and we need a doctor who is willing to say to us, this is the course of action. I need you to repent. Now, we may not like that, and that may be very, uh, very hard to hear. And being told that you're sick and unwell is never good news, is it? But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He doesn't stop just saying, you're sick, and here's the course of action the great news and the wonderful news of the gospel 
is that he is able to make us well. He has the power to make us well. And the difference is in who Jesus is and what he's done. The difference is, is, is in who Jesus is. He cannot be contaminated himself with this sickness. My guess is that um, if there are doctors and nurses who are working at the moment, many of them must have in the back of their minds that sense of fear that what if I get sick too? That's not something that Jesus faces. He can only make you and me well. There was a really interesting moment um, in one of the Prime Minister's press conferences um, in, uh, just a few days ago, um, and he talked about it. He talked about it in passing almost. He was talking about how valuable it is when we know or if we could know that somebody has immunity at the moment. If they had immunity, he described it like this. He said it would be a bit like a, a kind of green light going off over their head, and then they would, be, uh, they would be sort of empowered and able to go out and help others and, and, and be amongst them and, and, and do good. Imagine for a moment Jesus, uh, when he walked the earth, as having the brightest of green lights above his head. Because, because he died and rose and went through death and has that perfect immunity. He knows what it is, and yet he has that immunity. That means wherever he goes, he makes well. And we see it all the time in the Gospels, don't we? We see him uh, uh, touching the leper and making the leper clean, healing the sick, uh, raising the paralyzed. Where he goes, he's the brightest of green lights. That means he can make well. So Jesus doesn't keep his distance wonderfully. He comes close, but he does judge. He does judge. He is a doctor who brings his judgment of sickness and the course of action. And as we bring this together, I wondered if it's just worth us thinking about how is it you feel about Jesus's doctor's surgery? How is it you feel about Jesus' doctor's surgery? Some of us may feel, they may, we may feel and may perhaps have felt for a long time, look, I'm sure I, could, I, I would never be able to go in to Jesus' doctor's surgery. I, I, he, he wouldn't want me there. Um, or perhaps just very um, straightforwardly, oh, I would never want to be a bother to him. Do you ever find yourself thinking, oh, I'd never want to be a bother to the doctor? But can you see, Jesus doesn't keep his distance. He draws you close. He wants to welcome you in. He really means it. It's not a bother to him. It is why he came. Or perhaps you might look at the doctor's surgery door and think, do you know, I have known what the course of action is for a long time. Maybe I grew up knowing. Maybe I've, I've just sensed it. Maybe I have really had that sense that I know the course of action is to repent and to turn around and to come back to God. And I'm worried if I go in the door, I'm going to have to start doing that. Or maybe if I go in the door, I'm going to get really cross that Jesus is going to tell me I have to change. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that I have to turn around. Don't let those thoughts put you off. Jesus wants to draw you in. Yes, 
He is a doctor who gives his verdict and knows your condition, but he does so because he can make you well. Don't let that put you off. And as a church, perhaps it is time for us to to speak of Jesus into this moment as the great doctor. I said in an email that I wrote out this week to the church family, we're rightly being careful and, and there are things we've had to restrict and pull back, but this is the time for us as a church family to move outwards as we can Uh, by phone and online and by email and and trying to connect with people uh, and trying to support those locally in the right ways. It's time for us to move outwards. And we may not have all the answers at the moment and there'll be things that we get right and get wrong, but we can point people to the great doctor, to the person who does have the answers that we need. The great doctor, Jesus is the great doctor. He's the great doctor who has no borders. There is nobody that he won't welcome in. And there is nobody that he cannot diagnose. And there is nobody that he cannot heal and make well. And we can point people to the great doctor and tell them of his surgery. And so he welcomes all in that they might be made well. Let's Just gather ourselves for a moment and pray. Uh, I'll give us a few moments just to reflect before I do that. Heavenly Father, whatever we're facing at the moment whatever we're anxious about, wherever we feel we might uh, stand with you, I pray you would remind us that you are the great doctor. You don't keep your distance. You welcome us in, and you do so because you know in your wise judgment you can make us well.